Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is awful. Stop. No, no. don't do no. it. Oh. I am stuck. I'm Humanity. stuck. Oh, there we yeah, go. Somebody help. Sliding. Sliding. Come oh, on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much to the delight of the people that will eat them. <laughs> Ooh, that was almost catastrophic. <laughs> See, the people don't know this at home, but that is Michael Smith leaving the ESPN cafeteria every single day. Except my balance is perfect and I know to stop. Okay. <laughs> You go grocery shopping. Yes, I never could. Yes. No grocery shopping. Him downstairs. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Later in the show, we'll come as close as we can to getting up close and personal with Aaron Rodgers, thanks to a new close personal friend of his. <laughs> and we'll be joined by a marquee member of my Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, yours. Yes, who will tell us why the process is closer to contending sooner rather than later. Plus, we'll update you on whether Giancarlo Stanton got any closer to Sammy Sosa in his 60 homer club today. Speaking of close home runs, or Jamel. almost, uh, catch of the day right here. Maybe and I guess, here. I, I guess a, no, Kevin Pillar's like, hold, hold on a second. All right, Brewers leading the Cardinals 6-5, and runner on, Randall Grichuk drives one deep. Oh! And Keon Broxton with the game-saving catch. For now, the Get it out. are within three games of the NL Central leading Cubs who face the Pirates tonight. And he raised the roof afterward. Get hype! Get hype! <laughs> Hey. Yeah, you're right. Kevin you, Pillar is like, he's hold like, my beer. Wait till up. tonight or something. <laughs> that was a great catch. Yeah, it's a great catch. A tremendous catch. Significant, too, considering Speaking this of season. good catches, Joe Hayden's agent said he'd have a new team by tomorrow afternoon. Drew Rosenau sold he and his client short. The Browns released Hayden this morning. The Steelers locked up the former Pro Bowl corner not long after he was eligible to sign at 4 p.m. this afternoon. FYI, Pittsburgh opens the regular season at Cleveland on September 10th. I'm sure Hayden knew that. It's a three-year, $27 million deal with the Steelers. Would you call that a steal, Jamel? Uh, I would call this a smart. Wait, I need you to... I got you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I I didn't mean to make your joke go flat. (laughs) Yes, but I would call this a smart pickup uh, from the Steelers, and I know it hurts a lot of people in Cleveland, but it's understandable why the Browns did uh, did this, given how much money they owe Joe Hayden over the course of the next three seasons. And frankly, how he's kind of fallen off in the last couple of years, uh, a lot to do with injuries. Absolutely. Now, Schefter says that he had bigger offers elsewhere but wanted to play with Pittsburgh. I like seeing him do this. They had a question opposite Burns at corner. Mm-hmm. So this was a, a weak spot for them or, or an issue for them to back into their defense. I like seeing somebody other than the Patriots capitalize on another team discarding a veteran that still has something to contribute to, you know, to the league. I don't think Joe Hayden's washed up. No, I don't think so either. I think once he's healthy, and then this is a fresh start for him too. I mean, he endured a lot in Cleveland, and that's why the fans loved him so much. Playoffs. Yeah. He could actually sniff the playoffs. Right. For the first time in his career. So, standing the bird, Le'Veon Bell is supposed to come in to work on Friday. Juice came in hot today with the bars, responding to an Antonio Brown locker room Snapchat with Ryan Shazier, Bud Dupree, and James Harrison. Bell hit him with a freestyle on his free time before he signs his $12.1 million franchise tender. A.B., yeah, I see y'all, cuz. Big dog. I got pups bigger than air, bud. 
Are you aware, bud? Why I'm not at practice? I'm in these 17, because 26 is savage. They say the franchise should be enough. Pockets of Professor Clump. Come on, lad. Let me get back to my day. I can't keep showing buddy love. Clever. Clever. But he was joking. He and teammate Vicenzo Williams, obviously kidding, is now real beef with his teammates. Although we thought there might have been a little awkwardness. Antonio Brown was begging him to come back publicly and saying he should be in camp along with management. But sounds like it's all good. They were joking. Uh, Le'Veon also tweet, retweeted some fans saying it was clearly a joke. But all good humor is rooted in truth. First, first and foremost, he is the truth. Okay? If this whole running back thing doesn't work out, he got a future. Did you think he got a future as a rapper? He is the Damian Lillard of the NFL. Let's start with that. That's how, yeah, let, I'm going to be a hype beast right relax. now. The Damian Lillard of the NFL. That's, slight, that's some slight disrespect to Damian Lillard. Of the NFL. I'm not saying he's equal to Damian Lillard. I'm saying he's the best MC in the NFL. And clearly he has not a, to lot, mention the best a lot of time on his hands. Part of the reason why uh, he'll be showing so like, up at camp soon. Like I said, all good humans rooted in truth. He's serious about that $17 million. No, he is serious about his money. Um, but I do think there still will be some awkwardness, even though this was, quote, meant as a joke, the back and forth. You and I both noted and talked about it, how it was just a, a little, I don't know what the word is, a little weird, a little unusual to see players on uh, or teammates rather comment on somebody else's money because right. usually players are pretty you know they got a they got a hard fast rule right. about that you expect it from the stay GM. out of, of another man's pocket yeah and the fact that they seem to be putting some public pressure on Le'Veon Bill to come back to camp I just I just thought that was a little out of line yeah but once he shows up ready to handle his business which he looks in, in pretty good shape it's a contract year you know he's going to be motivated if he stays healthy He's not going to miss a beat. They could talk about James Conner, you know, being ready. He's a great story. Mm-hmm. Being ready to step up as a rookie all they want. Nobody does what this guy does, and he knows it. So I think he's going to have another career year, average his usual 130 yards from scrimmage, if not more, despite missing all the training camp. And maybe the Steelers say, you know what, we don't want to put up with this next year, slap you with the franchise tag, answering questions or having teammates talking about you not being here next summer. And he's on the open market. I don't know if somebody pays him 17, but if he has the kind of year I think he will and that he's capable of having, if not for his injuries, I think somebody comes off the close to breaking the bank and, and resetting that running back market for Le'Veon like Bell. Why wouldn't you sign a guy that can run like that, catch like that, and flow like that? He could drop an album for you on his off day. <laughs> oh, okay, Mike. He's good. Looks and like his nickname might... is Juice. Which is bad. Let's move on to some serious matters here. I won't worry uh, about what took so long and why and just focus on the NFL on Wednesday wisely canceling tomorrow night's preseason game between the Texans and Saints, which had been moved to Arlington, Texas, able to return home to their families sooner than anticipated. The Texans departed Dallas today after finding a safe travel route. I think it's the right decision. I think it's uh, everybody here is obviously most concerned about their families, their friends, uh, the city of Houston back home. Uh, So I think it's extremely important that we get home as quickly as we possibly can. I know we're all very excited to get back there and see our people, but then also to start helping. I know my guys, the team is, has been incredible throughout the whole thing. Everybody's asking how they can help. Everybody's asking what they can do. And I think we're just very, very excited to get back there, be with our city, and help our city rebuild. The most difficult times bring out the best in humanity. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. I think we're seeing humans helping humans. Uh, it doesn't matter, rich, poor, black, white. It doesn't matter. Everybody's helping everybody. And I think that's what's most important at a time like this, and it's it's incredible to witness. We just passed the $6 million mark on the fundraiser. I've upped the goal to $10 million because everything's bigger in Texas, and 
why not shoot for $10 million, see what we can do. Yeah, Rick Smith said that there were shouts of joy when he told the players that the game was canceled and they were headed home. As for the 40,000 tickets sold for Texas Cowboys, uh, proceeds going to the Hurricane Relief Fund. Meanwhile, in Milwaukee, Houston native Matt Carpenter hit a two-run $30,000 homer against the Brewers. He had pledged Tuesday to donate 10 k for every homer he hits the rest of the season. Teammate Adam Wainwright said his foundation would match that figure, and the Cardinals organization said it would do the same. But like I was saying about the tickets, the tickets that were purchased to the game, you can get a refund. If not, the money will still go to the relief fund, and Bob McNair is going to match that Good ticket move. money. The donations keep coming in fast and furious. The generosity uh, is to be applauded. And like, like I said yesterday, look, this storm, the silver lining is that it's bringing us together when we were most divided. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour here on ESPN, what is believed to be the fourth time in Major League Baseball history that games have been relocated to neutral sites because of weather, Rangers, Astros, Andrew Kashner, Dallas Keuchel from Tropicana Field in St. Pete's. Also, Astros headed home for the regular scheduled series against the Mets this weekend. All right, some college football. So at what point do we start worrying about whether Florida will have enough players to play in Saturday's opener against Michigan in Arlington? Gators suspended running back Jordan Scarlett and wide receiver Rick Wells today, bringing the number of players suspended for the Michigan game to 10. Anybody want to play it? Exactly. A school official told ESPN the latest suspensions are related to the one-star wide receiver Antonio Callaway and seven other players received for making improper charges on their student IDs at the school bookstore and then selling those items for cash. Gee, wonder why. Maybe because they're not getting paid. Anyway. Yeah, uh, but they got a lot of people not getting paid that's not doing this type of thing, too. I got you. Freshman wide receiver James Robinson was also suspended after he was cited for marijuana possession earlier this month. However, that being said, uh, there was a lot of mystery and um, even some jokes back and forth between Florida and Michigan because neither one had named their starting quarterback. Well, Jim McElwain has named his. It will be redshirt freshman QB Felipe Franks. Wow. Yes. So a lot going on there. Yeah. The All right. Three days to the biggest opening game in the sports history, at least in the history of the AP poll. Number one, Alabama. Third ranked FSU. Both Nick Saban and Jimbo Fish's programs. Like the Hulk, they've been indestructible, Jamel, in openers. The former colleagues are unbeaten in openers at Bama and FSU, respectively. The loser will definitely have to be, as no team has won a national title after losing its season opener since Miami in 1983. We now bring in my man, Marty Smith of Marty Smith's America. What up, cuz? <laughs> How you doing? You've been with the Crimson Tide all week. Uh, you spoke with Nick Saban today. What did you take away from that conversation? That he has, has these guys dialed in and ready to face quite a test in Jimbo Fisher and the Florida State Seminoles. And one thing that I don't think Saban gets enough credit for is the psychology on which he leans to prepare both himself and his players for every game, much less one of this magnitude. And in speak, I spoke with five or six players today as well, star players, quarterback Jalen Hurts, uh, safety Minka Fitzpatrick, the stars of the stars on this roster, and they are all ready to go. And not only are they ready to go, they all have this we want, we want to prove something type of vibe to them which for a team that came within a second of winning another national title last year tells me a lot about where they are mentally. So you're saying this is a statement game for Alabama? Yes, it absolutely is. And they will not tell you that. Again, the psychology. To a man, every one of them says it's just the next game. It's about Alabama. It's about going 1-0. and All of those things that you hear all the time, but I just don't believe it. I can see it in their body language. I talked to Jalen Hurts today, the quarterback, about one of his offensive linemen said a couple weeks ago that Jalen has a chip on his shoulder. So I said, well, what is that chip? You can see it. 
People think, oh, he's a good runner. Oh, okay, as a freshman, he was an SEC Offensive Player of the Year, but he can't throw it. Well, that's the chip. I'm going to go show the world that I can throw it down the field and be a vertical football team and stretch the field a bit. So every one of these young men is finding that personal chip to make sure they have that other level of depth uh, to be excellent. Big story last year, speaking of Jalen Hurts, uh, was the OC position, whether it was Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian. Brian Dayball now calling the plays, running the offense for the Tide. What's Jalen Hurts and everybody else saying about Brian Dayball coming from the NFL and joining Nick Saban? Who'd he work for, guys? Bill Bill Belichick. Belichick. (laughs) Meticulous. Yep. It's about being meticulous. And and each one of the offensive players, Bradley Bozeman, the center, I spoke with him today. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, as I said, I talked to him today for quite a while. And they all had that same scenario in their minds, just how precise and specific every single minute is for them. And they like that. Saban said to me one of the most beautiful parts about Jalen Hurts as a player is that he loves to be coached. He loves to be instructed in order to get better. And Dable is doing that. Of course, priority one for Brian Dable is accentuating that dual threat ability that Jalen Hurts presents. Got to get better and more consistent at throwing the ball down the field. Again, Hurts feels like he's made great strides there. As much as I would love to continue talking about the superior athletes that will be on the field (laughs) with Alabama and Florida State, let's talk about you, Marty Smith. You've been there catching passes. Yeah! You've been all over the place. Looking like Forrest Gump or somebody. (laughs) Testing out something called Alabama's catapult system. Explain to us what that is and what you did. Michael, you noted Forrest Gump, man. I had the accent and all. I mean, all I needed was number 44, bro. That's all I needed. Uh... So a couple years ago, I was hanging out in the training room with Jeff Allen, the head of athletic training here at Alabama, and he showed me some data that former running back Kenyon Drake went 0 to 24 and a half miles an hour in something like 30 yards. And I was fascinated by how he knew this. Well, it's that catapult system. It's a GPS system that measures velocity, impact, speed, all of these different measurements. And the the training staff is then able to tailor workouts to the player's specific needs. It's very interesting. So I thought, why don't I try this? Well, then, not only did they say yes, but the equipment staff got on board and said, well, we need to give you a full uniform, too. So I went full Forrest Gump, and for the record, as a 40-year-old father of three, I ran 17 and a half miles an hour into 50, guys. Get some of that. Marty, if I've never told you before, let me take the opportunity to tell you how proud I am to share a surname with you, man. <laughs> Seriously. My brother from another oh, likewise, mother. Man. Nobody loves his job more I than say Marty it all Smith. The time, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, thank you so much for joining us. And look, you didn't pull any hamstrings. Right. You, you you look good out there, my man. Don't Secret let anybody tell the time you different. They need it. Take it easy, man. Girl, it was dicey. <laughs> I, I was lifting a little bit at the end. I can't lie. <laughs> Vontez Burfecht's five-game suspension has been reduced to three games, sources told ESPN, Josina Anderson. I'm good with that. I am, too. It seems like a a little bit of a compromise. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people looked at the hit, had questions whether or not it truly was illegal. Right. But his reputation was a factor. Three games for the hit on Antonio Brown in the playoffs he served last year. So he had a body of work. It was progressive discipline involved. So he couldn't just wipe it out altogether. It was unnecessary, and they're trying to eliminate that. Right. So hopefully this is yet another way for Montez Perfect to get the point and message. Well, but he doesn't think he did anything wrong. That's the way he plays. I don't well, know if he's ever going to change. He must like his they're just gonna have to, light. They're just going to have to keep fighting discipline and hoping it gets reduced or, or, or keep trying to keep him from getting suspended as long as possible for a third of the season.
take two. <laughs> Here to help us Run make a long back. story short is ESPN Magazine <laughs> senior writer Mina Kimes, who profiled Aaron Rodgers for the NFL's preview issue. There's access, and then there's access. Mina, so big time that she didn't even have to leave the crib to get Rodgers to open up for her piece. Rodgers came to her. Quote, so now he's sitting a few feet away from me on my sofa in a black t-shirt and jeans. Stan Smith's, my favorite Adidas, by the way. I got like a whole collection of them suckers. Okay? Nice. I'm, I know all about those. Tap it on the floor. His arm, maybe the most valuable arm in the world, resting on a throw pillow. Well, describe the throw pillow, I Mina. Mean, you left some details out there. Welcome to the six fantastic piece. What a fun read. Thank you. What did it tell you about it? Yeah, Rogers? well, that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, that he came to my house? Yeah. Uh, well, I found, <laughs> I found out about the night before, so I literally spent hours just cleaning my house, preparing um, for him to come over and making a snack plate. Uh, <laughs> it tells me he's really private, you know, for, first and foremost. Because, uh, you know, you guys have done this. Usually you meet at, like, a restaurant or near the facility. And he was like, nope, uh, see you at your house. And I was like, oh. Wow, okay. <laughs> well, I'll say, in, in, you know, in my years of reporting, and Mike was a print journalist as well, I can never, I never conducted an interview at my house. So I'm, I'm wondering, given how introspective and cerebral Aaron Rodgers is, uh, Mina, did you feel like he was interviewing you more than the other way around? <laughs> I've seen him do that, where he's kind of dictating the interview and controlling a little bit. I think he wanted to see my place, kind of know what I was about. And he definitely did ask me a lot of questions about myself. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I was really surprised he went in every direction I wanted to go about religion, um, the NFL, Colin Kaepernick. He was pretty open to all of my lines of questioning. Um, what was the most fascinating thing that you took from the piece? It was a fascinating piece in general. Lots of great anecdotes, lots of great insight. But what was the most fascinating part of the piece uh, at the interview, in your opinion? I think given how private and cautious Rogers is, I was surprised how candid he was about his faith and his journey in thinking about his faith. Um, you know, we talked about organized religion, his spirituality, some of the work he's done mentally. And that's not something everybody's super comfortable talking about. But he was very open and candid about that topic in particular. Extremely thoughtful. With all due respect, he might be the most interesting quarterback in, in the NFL. I, I'm also curious when it comes to, you know, as a fellow uh, writer, one time, once upon a time, Jamel and I were both writers. Jamel more so than me nowadays. Um, what what was on the cutting room floor? What did you really want to get in that you weren't able to get into this piece? Sure, he's really funny, which people know, and this story is really serious. I mean, it's about religion and and race and stuff. So I couldn't really work in a lot of the jokes and some of the lighter moments. Um, I've mentioned earlier on the radio today. I told him he could park near my house, and we walk out a few hours later, and he got a ticket, <laughs> which he's been roasting me for a little bit. I, I didn't write that into the piece, um, but he's fun. he's a very sarcastic, dry guy, which I think actually is part of the reason why he's a little bit conscious about being misinterpreted sometimes. All right, well, we don't want to give too much of it away, yeah. so we call this segment Make a Long Story Short, but read it for yourself. Mina Kimes taking us inside uh, Aaron Rodgers' inner search for peace. Fantastic job, and thanks for joining the six. Thanks, guys. All right. I guess we're officially on John Carlos Stanton watch. Uh, today, the, this game is not concluded yet. Marlins are trailing 3-0 in the A to the Nationals. But so far, he is 0-4-4 today. Get it together, man. I know. <laughs> um, but look, here's a little nugget you can walk away with in. 
even though he didn't homer yet, or maybe not today, but number 51 last night. Uh, gave him up to 18 for the month of August, tying Rudy York for the second most in a single month in Major League history, trailing only Sammy Sosa's 20 from June of 1998. Stanton also now has 14 more home runs than any other player in baseball, making him just the third player ever with 14 more home runs than anyone else at any point in the season, joining Jimmy Fox and Babe Ruth. I'll join in. I'll join in. Let that sink in, people. So Let you that like sink it. in. I knew you was going to like this. I'm wondering if this is one of those situations where both of them have gone so far down this road that neither one of them can afford to turn back. Make the deal. Bobby Altman did a great job with this trade. You call up Danny Ainge and you assume that Chris Rock told, hey, excuse me, <laughs> I was uh, wondering eh, if you right. would be willing to part with uh, a couple of second round picks. Right. If I'm Danny Ainge and Kobe Altman calls me up, I'm like, you got some nerve. At the end of the day, I think this deal goes through. It's just too good for both sides. Don't mess this up by trying to get too greedy. <laughs> Any day now. <laughs> You're right. We're waiting. <laughs> this trade getting finalized? We're getting off hot takes. Now we got Jalen Rose here with us looking real dapper right there. I'm trying to keep like, up look, with you guys. No, I'm on good, the six. It's a Detroit thing. You probably wouldn't understand. Yes, indeed. Come on now. Always 504, but y'all can have y'all 313 moment. Uh, when, is, when is Isaiah Thomas going to move to the 216 officially? Officially, And, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the hold up here? Are the Cavs, are they trying to push this thing a little too far by trying to get this deal sweetened? Should they just take it as is? Well, I guess they didn't realize that Isaiah Thomas missed playoff games because he injured his hip <laughs> and that he was not going to get surgery. So, therefore, he's not going to pass a physical. Now, you make a big-time deal like this. There's no going back. I think it does get finalized by tomorrow at 12 noon because the most important thing that has happened to me here, we're so focused on the fact that Kyrie Irving, who's had success with LeBron James and won a championship, wanted to go play in another te- on another team. He got a number one seed. They're going to have four of their five new starters on that team with the Celtics. Yeah. So they actually improved. But you know what the Celtics told Isaiah Thomas? You're 5'9", you have a bad hip, you're older than the guy that we're trading you for. We don't want to pay you a max contract. Right. And so when he showed up with the slides, with the Brinks truck on him and the money, yeah. they was on the phone. Yeah. They was <laughs> right. like, you know what, we got something That's for what you. Knew, so yeah. I'm encouraged to watch how he's going to be motivated to come out and play big-time basketball. As if that chip on his shoulder weren't already big enough. He talked to Woj, and he had this to say about that hip. He said, I am not damaged. I'll be back, and I'll be the same player. I don't know what the Cavs organization is doing. It's out of my control. I just want to talk about what I can control, and I know that this won't be a problem into the future. More motivation. Whenever he comes back, right? can you imagine, like, even more fired up Isaiah Thomas? Yeah, I don't think they, he will show any signs. I mean, once he's fully healthy. I mean, I, I don't see why he wouldn't be as extra motivated as Mike talked about. Do you? Absolutely. And they're in the same conference. When you trade and you go against you trade all-star level players, they get a chance to not only face one another, but they're going to face each other in a conference final. I would say, imagine yeah. a Cavs-Celtics series now, right? I, I, absolutely. And so Isaiah, as you mentioned, will be motivated. Look at it like this. Kyrie Irving, he's a lot smoother. We acknowledge he has one of the best handles in the game, almost like a luxury vehicle, say a, a Mercedes-Benz. Still gets it done 25-5. and five. Isaiah Thomas is more like a Porsche that's a stick shift. You know, he's herky-jerky, likes to stop and go. He likes to keep you off balance. Some of us never drove either one, Jalen. So, uh, okay. <laughs> and he's a lefty. And so 
I understand that there may be people to think because he has a hip injury that can be an issue, yeah. but I don't think it will continue to be an issue. You know what I love about it? And a lot of people, rightfully so, have, have poured out some sympathy. Like Isaiah Thomas deserved better, not just to be treated better by Boston given what he put out there, but also now not to have this damaged goods tag like attached label, to him. Yeah. And he always saw himself, he was on our first show, always saw himself as he could be the face of the franchise, the star, all-NBA performer. But now, once he comes back healthy, and we'll see about the money, but in the meantime, he gets to play with LeBron. Kyrie didn't want that anymore. I always thought Kyrie was tripping for not want, for not realizing how good he had it. Now Isaiah gets that with a Jay Crowder, with an improved Cavaliers team. So it might be better right now for Isaiah Thomas than it seems like in a moment. And to play on the big stage of a team that LeBron James has had a rite of passage to make it to the NBA Finals for mm-hmm. seven straight years. Now he may get that opportunity. He's going to be a terrific performer. He's going to put up big numbers. He's trying to get paid. And what you mentioned, the tragedy that he dealt with by losing his sister. As somebody that's been traded four times, you learn. Mm-hmm. I think Sauce Money said it. You what the game made you, not what the fame made you. Mm-hmm. And you have to realize that it's not personal. Yeah. Because in the NBA, guess what doesn't happen when you get traded? They pay you less money. Yeah. The contract <laughs> is exactly the same. Exactly so you show true. up and you do your work. So uh, y'all put off for the three-on-three three off top, but there's an area where y'all disagree when it comes to see, Detroit. I, I feel like Jalen might as well uh, continue to watch these finals because your Lions, they're never going to get to the, to the equivalent <laughs> in the NFL. Really, they gave Matt Stafford all that money? They did. You all right with that as a Lions fan? I am all right with it. I know it's 14% of the salary cap, and usually (laughs) teams that give that level of money to a quarterback and or a wide receiver, because that may happen in New York eventually with Odell Beckham, Mm -hmm. that team doesn't win the Super Bowl. But I wrote a little list of guys that have been quarterbacks in my lifetime. Charlie Batch, Scott Mitchell, Joey Harrington, Rodney P., Eric Hipple, Gary Danielson, Chuck Long, Dan Orlowski. He's our, he's, he's our best quarterback since Bobby Lane. And you know but what, that's coincidental? Why y'all so thirsty, though. That's Correct. We are thirsty. And so coincidentally, thirsty. they went to the same high school in Texas. <laughs> Look, I, I made this analogy, and I'll throw it past you. The Lions basically have an Escalade that they pulled up to the projects. They in the hood with a nice car. All right? That's nice what they rims, nice loud rims, music, gorillas in the trunk. Okay, the problem is that they have never put the proper infrastructure and they spent all this money. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have done it because they had no choice but to do it. They're not going to let him walk out the door. He is the best quarterback that they have had in both of our lifetimes, right? But at the end of the day, it's, they just have never been able – they're the most can't-get-right team in the NFL, the perpetual five-year rebuilding project. So the way I look at it is Matt Stafford is going to finish a very rich man And that playoff record is going to continue to look like what it looks like. What you said is true, and it's unfortunate that we play our Super Bowl during Thanksgiving weekend. (laughs) Or during the draft. This is something we look forward to. (laughs) I'm rolling with you on that. But the story is truly about him. Because they were on the phone trying to negotiate with him. He was like, no, I need all of the money. Yeah. Like, I'm not giving you guys a discount at all. I don't care what and Tom Brady's doing. I don't care what Aaron Rodgers is getting paid. Like, I'm taking all the money if I'm going to play for this team. And so that is the thing I take away from it. But as you mentioned, the Lions had no choice. You know what I took away from this exchange just now? Warm my heart. Two of Detroit's finest that made three luxury car analogies. <laughs> Y'all a couple of Kwame Kilpatrick's over here. Both, both, both of you. Just, they came up. I'm proud of y'all. Home and they young. You understand yeah, that's what I'm right. saying? Was- hey, like you and Jacoby said, we about to keep it moving. That's it. Right. Let's make it happen. Last season, the preseason over-under win total for the 76ers was just 27 and a half. That was 27th best in the NBA after three consecutive seasons at the bottom of the league. This year, Westgate's. 
Westgate, excuse me, puts them at 42 and a half, which means they are now among the league's top 14 teams. Philly also is dominating the Rookie of the Year candidates list with two rookies among the top four candidates. Ben Simmons currently 3-1 to one to take home the award, while Markel Fultz is 13-2. All good in Philly. All right, and joining us now, the new general manager of the Sixers G League team, the Delaware 87ers, Elton Brand. Thank you for joining the show. Now, uh, Elton, check this out. I know you may not be somebody who is in, into gambling or betting, but last year, Vegas had you guys winning, let's see, 27 and a half games. This year, a 15-win improvement. And let me further blow your mind. The last time the 76ers made the playoffs, you were actually on the team. So a lot of excitement and enthusiasm. I got y'all for 50 this year, just saying. <laughs> Building around Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, how do you like their chances of getting to the playoffs this year? Um, you know, I love our chances, you know, but it's going to be a, a slower build than, you know, people – people take right now people are saying right now we have you know two young guys that are being handling the ball a lot so you know that always that's always tough on any level um and we have a tough tough schedule starting off but it's going to gel and it's going to go and the team's going to be good what's going to be the toughest part about it uh, take us inside of that markel Fultz, ben simmons partnership you just talked yeah. about when it comes to ball handling uh coach brown has said ben simmons is the point guard why is that going to be challenging <laughs> Uh, you know, just so he's a rookie, you know, and he's gotten better over the year. He's working so hard. He's improved, but he still has to make those reads. He still is going to have to make NBA plays, and it's just hard at that position. It's really tough. Now, Ben said, forget rookie of the year. He's trying to take his place among the best players in the game. Can he come out right. this year right. and be more than just your average rookie? How special can he be right out of the gate with the year recovering from injury? Uh, you know, he's definitely going to be special. You know, I don't want to put those expectations on him that high, but he's going to be, he's going to have a great season. You know, his passing ability is uncanny. His ball handling, he's working on his shot. Like, all these young guys are working hard every day. I see them. They're, they're grinding away, and they all want to be special. Uh, so give us a little preview. What, what do they look like based off what you've seen? Um, they look young. <laughs> you know, they look young, you know. I was a young player, and we had some talent, um, you know, especially when I was with the Bulls with Ron Artest, well, Metal World now, Jamal Crawford, and Brad. We were young, so it took time to gel. We didn't get that chance to gel, so that's what I'm looking for with these guys, getting that chance to gel, grow, and, and be great. Now, hopefully those young guys are aware of your resume. You were the number one pick, and you shared Rookie of the Year honors with Steve Francis. So being that you've been where they are, what have you told Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons about expectations and their rookie season? You know, just take it day by day. You know, don't get too high. If you're doing well, don't get too low. If you're doing bad, it's a long, long season. And just mentally stay sharp and stay strong. That's, that's my advice to them all the time. And you don't sound like a rookie GM, dude. You out here pumping the brakes. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to push this hype train, and you pumping the brakes. But, no, you were playing in the league as, as of 16 months ago. What's been the biggest adjustment right, right. taking this front office role for the 87ers? You know, the biggest adjustment is looking at roster. And, you know, we only had one player last year on the 87ers that started the season, that finished the season. So it's a lot of movement within the roster. And then, you know, just the other day I kind of had a – put an impediment or a roadblock in a young guy's dreams. You know, he wanted something that we didn't want to give him as an organization, so he's no longer with us. And that, that hurt me. That was my first time doing something like that, but I think that's going to be the toughest adjustment for me. What do you want it like that? 
You wanted more money. You know how it goes. We all do, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, it was interesting. You told the undefeated that you're not sure yet if you want to be an NBA GM uh, just yet. Are there, are there some specific reservations you have about being an NBA GM? Uh, well, it's, just, it's really a lot of work. You know, as a player, I'd walk by, see the executives there before us, see them there after us, and I'm just like, what are these guys doing? But it, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, I feel these skill sets that I'm growing and I'm gaining, um, you know, transactional, hiring, firing, um, you know, management will bode well in anything I do, and I can transition to anything else. But, you know, if a job comes open, I'll definitely look into it, but I'm not sure if I want to be full-time GM in the future. All right, well, we're officially giving you permission to be excited about the 76ers season you and the 87ers. It, you made it through an entire interview and didn't say trust the process one time. Come on, man. We're disappointed. <laughs> 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 well, thank uh, you so much, uh, Elton, for joining us, and good luck this season. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, rest in peace to Raleigh Massimino, who died today at the age of 82. Massimino coaches Villanova Wildcats to one of the biggest upsets in not just college basketball history, but sports history, when his Wildcats beat John Thompson, Patrick Ewing, and Georgetown for the 1985 NCAA championship. Here's our Jeff Goodman with a look back at the life of one of college basketball's most colorful coaches. It still stands as one of the greatest upsets in college basketball history. Rolly Massimino and the number eight seed Villanova Wildcats somehow getting past Patrick Ewing and mighty Georgetown in the 1985 National Championship game. Massimino was a little-known assistant under Chuck Daly at Penn when he took the head coaching job at Villanova in 1973. Seven years later, the Wildcats would join the Big East and the little pasta-loving family man from New Jersey staged epic battles with the likes of Thompson, Behan, and Karnaseka. There were 11 NCAA tournament appearances in his 19 seasons at Nova, but April Fool's Day in 1985 would forever change Daddy Mass's life. It's when a team that had underachieved for most of the regular season would play a near-perfect game to knock off the defending national champion Hoyas. Uh, as a person, it made my private life very, very public, uh, but I enjoy people. I'm a people's kind of guy, and uh, now I travel all over the country and, and meet so many wonderful, wonderful people, like Perry Como, Tom Lasorda, all the great Italians in the country. <laughs> Massimino would spurn the New Jersey Nets, but shocked the college basketball world when he replaced Jerry Tarkanian at UNLV in 1992. It was a short stand but Massimino continued to coach in virtual obscurity. He was at Cleveland State from 1996 to 2003, and over the past 11 years at Division II NAIA Kaiser near his home in Florida. But Massimino will forever be remembered for his part in Big East lore, running onto the court, smiling, hugging, and shocking the basketball world. Nick Kyrgios continues to be a clown. Take a listen. <laughs> what did I say? I didn't swear at all. You said you swore. I didn't swear. You can't give me a poke that I didn't something I didn't say. That's he said. What did I say? You said I cannot. No, I didn't say anything. For obvious reasons, I cannot believe. I cannot repeat what he said. You said. 
there's players out there that are more dedicated, that want to get better, that strive to get better every day, that do all the 1%ers. I'm, like I'm not that guy. He said in Cincinnati he was playing basketball, eating ice cream. Hey, why is he still in tennis? I just, I don't understand it. Like, I don't pretend to know the, the procedures, the inner workings. I don't, he's an embarrassment. I think he's probably asking himself that same question right now. But he's still showing up, and they're still allowing him to disgrace their game. But as far as the cussing goes, may I just say, just own it, man. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> just own it. <laughs> so just you own didn't it. hear me say that like, like everybody. Please don't believe me or you're lying here. Everybody heard you say that. Yeah. But he's a joke. It's the same old story. Like yeah. you said at the beginning, it seems to be a clown. Speaking of clown-like behavior, uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats worked out Johnny Manziel last week. But Manziel didn't do enough to convince the team as they deemed there were too many red flags. But wait a second. I read on Pro Football Talk that they're very much interested in him. So I don't know what to believe. But if you put this on the heels of our brows, like, what are they, what are they going like, for here? What is June Jones going for? Does anybody have Google with the Hamilton <laughs> Tiger Cat? Just He's got too many red flags. Our <laughs> right. brows, brows. Totally fine. White pink. We're good. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, are they... Are they not internet accessible? Do they not have access? Do they not understand what's coming with this? Um, any, any blame go to umpire Mike Everett here taking a warm-up pitch um, from my man Michael Fulmer. And he was out for the rest of the game, right? Yeah. He's out. He's out. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. That's that's a, that's a, that's difficult, right? What what do you? Ooh. Mm. It, see, you don't understand. I don't. I don't. You br- <laughs> you brush up against him lightly. <laughs> And it's the end of the day for you. <laughs> okay. Oh, goat, my God. That's the goat mullet. I, I don't Joe think, Dirt is jealous. I don't even think. We need to come up with a different name for that. That's some straight Game of Thrones. Like, that's not even. That's the. That's, I don't get that wow. reference. Wow. This guy. A winner in every possible way. <laughs> I thought Steven Strasburg hit his second home run of the season today. Also pitched a complete game shutout. Nationals over the Marlins. For nothing is saying something you shouldn't know John Carlos Stanton these days. How about that? Yeah. Open his own call. I was saying, did he, got, sell the, say that. Did he take the tickets, sell the popcorn? Did he do that too? What a all-around versatile performance. He did almost as good a job on the mound as we did with this show today. <laughs> I guess. I guess you can say that. Um, so, wildcard entry, Maria Sharapova rallied from a set down to beat Timia Babush uh, to advance to the third round of the U.S. Open. Still conflicted? Uh, still conflicted. Biggest name certainly left on, on the women's side. But, again, I just have a problem with it being framed as a comeback story, given that she spent 15 minutes or 15 months, excuse me, out of the sport. Um, I think it could still be a comeback if it's self-inflicted. Do you? I, I do. Okay. I do. A lot of comeback stories are self-inflicted if you want to be real about it. Uh, before we call it in, let's say you had a good day. Ender and Ciarte of the Braves. Totaled eight hits in a doubleheader against the Phillies. That was one shy of the Major League record, and CRT had five hits in game one, giving him three five-hit games this season, most by a Braves player since Kenny Lofton in 1997. How's that for Way Back Wednesday? Um, So speaking of Way Back Wednesday, three-year anniversary for one of our favorite couples, D. Wade and Gabby Union. Today is the day. Um, I wish them well. You just couldn't help yourself, right? That's what you said. So I've gotten to know know them over a couple years, over the last couple years, two just incredibly beautiful people. And I don't mean outside. I mean just generally good people to know. No, it's them and the Currys, man. Relationship goals, for real. (laughs) Yes, This show took some years off my life today. (laughs) How about we take a day off tomorrow? We will see y'all Friday. (laughs) 